Welcome to the next episode of Maya Matters. Today, we're chatting with an inspiring new graduate who is paving the way for other new graduate Maya therapists. My name is Erin and I am your host today. And today I am joined by Sky Meredith. Sky is an emerging talent in the field of myotherapy, having recently graduated in 2023 with a Bachelor of Health Science in Clinical Myotherapy from Torrens University in Melbourne. She is passionate about employing evidence-based approaches to resolve chronic and acute musculoskeletal pain and helping her clients achieve their long-term goals. While completing her studies, Sky worked as a sports and remedial massage therapist, both in private practice and for elite sporting teams like the Melbourne Demons. Sky works full-time now in private practice with a strong interest in musculoskeletal injuries, including running-related lower limb and ankle injuries, and particularly working with trail runners. She loves helping people stay active and watching them achieve their big goals. Sky has a background in endurance running, including racing in trail running events all around the world. She is a qualified running coach and is looking to complete a postgraduate qualification in strength and conditioning soon. Sky believes in a holistic approach to treatment, an ethos she feels was further cemented by her athletic pursuits and academic knowledge, giving her unique insights into her practice. When she's at work, or when she's not at work, I should say, Sky loves to be outside running, surprise, surprise, <laughs> or riding around home in the Dandenong Ranges with her partner and golden retriever Yoshi. Sky is also the winner of our 2023 Emerging Myotherapist of the Year Award. She was selected as this year's winner, not just for her commitment to providing positive outcomes for her patients, but also for her efforts to elevate myotherapy as a profession within the broader community. So well done, Sky. Congratulations again, and welcome to My Matters. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That's quite an intro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, recent graduate already doing so much in the world of myotherapy and making big waves. That's fantastic. Again, congratulations on receiving our inaugural Myotherapist of the Year Award. How are you feeling? What does what does this award mean to you? Oh, thank you. It was actually really cool to even be nominated for an award like that and then to be recognised in my profession alongside someone like Cody, who's an awesome Maya as well, and then to win and get to share the like experience with Cody because we were both there and gave each other a big hug and it was actually really cool to meet someone like else and do it together um, and then to share winning the award with like the wider community as well and just kind of show what my therapy is and how exciting our industry is and everything like that. It's a really cool experience. So I hadn't yeah. actually met Cody before so it was really cool to be nominated together and I made a new friend out of it as well. So it's a really cool experience on the whole and then there's like a couple of other things that came with it. Um, That's so nice. That yeah, warms my heart a little bit that now <laughs> my therapists are friends from this award. That's great. Yeah, it was super cool. And it just kind of means a lot to me as well. Um, I'm obviously a little bit older and it just means a lot that I've cemented my career a little bit um, and I had a full career change going to uni at 32, I think, when I started, 33. So changing careers at that age and going to uni is a little bit challenging and came with a whole lot of things. So it was really cool that I got to win an award and all the hard work's paid off. And it's kind of given me some more drive to keep pushing and working hard, like not only for like the people that I treat in the clinic, but also for myself 
And for Maya as a whole, like it's cool when you share stuff like that, it gets more conversations going about what Maya is and what we do and like our little community and everything like that. Start a few conversations with physios actually as well, which has been really cool to kind of get more awareness for Maya with like physio clinics and multimodality clinics. Amazing, amazing. This doesn't surprise me at all because I think I saw after the after the conference where you gave a presentation and then, of course, you were nominated for the award and won. Socials just blew up. Your name was everywhere all over socials. So it's clear, even though, as you say, relatively new to the industry, it's clear you have such a following already. And even though it sounds like it was a, a real career change for you it was clearly you know a path that you were already almost on with your running and that sort of thing and clearly had a community of people around you that were engaged yeah I have a really cool support network and a lot of people following my journey and supporting me which is super cool it's really yeah. nice. <laughs> nice, nice. Oh, that's amazing. And it's clear that you really have this passion for runners and, and running and working within a sporting environment. So how have you found the variety of clinic work versus sporting work in this sort of early stage of your career? That's a good question. I'm actually really lucky that I'm early on in my career and I've already been able to see quite a variety of people doing their remedial and sports massage initially while I was finishing my degree. So with the runners, I've been a runner obviously most of my life. And so I really resonate with athletes and I resonate with going back to sport and the mental aspects of going back to sport and being injured, um, especially with the endurance space. I don't feel like a lot of people understand endurance athletes because we're all a little bit nutty. Um, <laughs> so it's nice to like kind of have that connection with people. It's nice to and know that you know. That there yeah. that you know that you realize that you are yeah good good yeah I was like I really want to treat runners and I really want to treat them and then I started treating runners I was like geez we're all a bit crazy <laughs> it's good it's good as long as you're aware yeah. <laughs> and then I was really lucky that I got to pick up working with elite football in the first year that I kind of was a remedial and sports massage and so I worked at Melbourne Storm I worked at Melbourne Demons, I worked for the Victorian Cricket, the women's team. So I got a lot of experience working in elite sporting and different types of people and different body sizes and getting used to touching bodies and like what different muscles feel like and everything like that, which was actually really good in talking. So I'm really comfortable talking to people. And I think that was really important career-wise as well. But it also let me kind of get introduced to what elite sport and athletes is like, which is actually really cool. And then like a different perspective, I guess. And then the first clinic I actually worked at as a remedial in Mount Waverley, I kind of had the experience with a lot of chronic pain and elderly patients. So that was like a whole nother perspective again. So while I'm going through my degree, I'm getting all these different perspectives of what I want to do in the future and what I like and what I don't like and what different people are like. And so it was actually really good because it meant I had lots of questions when we were doing classes at uni. But, yeah, just working in a sporting environment versus, like, general population, like, they're kind of pretty similar but they're so different at the same time and then you add in the running and that's a whole other thing as well. (laughs) What strikes me is that I think we were talking about these different environments and the different types of, of patient or client that you might see. 
at the end of the day, you know, the human body is the human body and of course they're all unique and we all we all know that there's differences in like you mentioned of you know size and you know activity and that sort of thing but at the end of the day it's it's all muscles and bones so for me i wonder what do you think of the difference between these sort of mindsets of the, the mindset of the slightly nutty endurance runner or the mindset of that high level athlete versus, you know, the mindset of the elderly patient that you might see in your clinic that you mentioned in Hawthorne. So how do you sort of navigate those differences? I just think exactly what you said then, that everyone's unique and everyone's individual and you have to go in with the mindset of you treating like that person, not what's mm-hmm. going on with them and not, not the sport that they're playing, well, a little bit of the sport that they're playing in re- terms of like return to sport. But at the end of the day, like you have to really resonate with the person. And so for me, it's always about making the relationship between you and the person that you're treating and going from there. So I find that like elderly people is a little bit challenging because they've got a whole lot of different things that people have said to them and you really have to work at like older narratives that might not serve them very well and kind of re-education and stuff like that. Um, But you have to do it in a way that's not scary, not confronting, that you're not talking down to them. You have to really be informative but on the same level as well. Whereas Mm -hmm. with sporting people, I find, like, give it to me straight. I just want to know what's going on. You Mm. can kind of be a little bit more direct with some people. Runners, all they ask is, when am I going to go back to running? Can I run? Do I have to stop? Can I do this race? Oh, I just entered this race. (laughs) (laughs) But I find the mindset is just, I think they're all so different, but there's just so, everyone's so similar. We're all we all just want to know what's going on. We want to know like that we're going to be okay, that we're going to keep doing whatever is important to us. I just find that the athletes are a little bit more driven to abandon exercise for an athlete past mm-hmm. those initial acute stages of an injury is just not going to cut it. Whereas for an older person, that might be like what they're working towards. Yeah. So, it's really, it's about their goals, isn't it? It just comes yeah, to who is this person what is their goal that they're working towards? And then you adjust accordingly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, amazing. Do you find though working with athletes versus like let's say the older population, you sort of said older population, you've got to spend a little bit of time educating, you've got to probably de-escalate and demystify some of their pain. Do you find for athletes you have to be equally cautious sometimes because they can be uh, sensitive and always concerned about, oh, my goodness, are you going to tell me that I can't run? Oh, my goodness, are you going to tell me I can't play? Do you, you know? Have you seen that side of athletes as well or not so much? Uh, definitely in more like amateur athletes, more than the elite population, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm really lucky that I work at complete physio exercise and performance enrichment. So I work with some really good research. So I work with Dr. Christian Barton. I work with Pete Meliaris and David Thwaites, who are the owners there. And they've really highlighted how to talk to people as well. So through sitting in, so even though I work there, if I've got no one booked in for like an hour or something like that I would jump in and just kind of watch them talk to people and watching them talk to people because they treat like a lot of elite amateur older population chronic pain I've learned a lot about how to talk to athletes and do just what you said like kind of um, address like what's going on for them without it like it's just in a completely different way so watching someone who's been doing it for a long time you go oh, yeah, I could definitely say that better in the future. Yeah, I learned a lot there in terms of just the talking part and the education part. 
And he's really great with that because he treats a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu athletes and watching him talk to someone who's in that like amateur but really loves it and really takes it seriously. That was a really great experience when I was kind of finishing off my degree. I think those skills and communication just cannot be understated and I think it's such a skill that we build and then you go oh gosh I I think I've got it and then you haven't got it and you go back again (laughs) and yeah it's certainly something that you accumulate over time so it's great that you've got so many like wonderful examples of great communication that's awesome yeah definitely And I guess speaking of communication, you joined us at conference this year and gave a really wonderful presentation of your critical review of the literature on lateral ankle sprains. And to me, sitting there listening to that presentation, it was really clear that you have a keen interest in research and then using that research to inform your practice. So, This is sort of a bit of a two-part question here. How did you, first of all, develop that real interest in diving into the research? And then how did you develop the skills for reading and then translating the research into practice? Because I think lots of us um, are interested in research and understand that, you know, myotherapy, we want it to be evidence-informed. But there can be sometimes a little bit of a barrier of how do we take that research and make it relevant for us in clinical practice? Uh, definitely. Research is just such a big area. <laughs> <laughs> it is huge, yes. <laughs> um, so to, for the first part of that kind of question, my love of research came from my own experience, to be honest. I have had a lot of ankle injuries myself. I've had surgery this year and I'm having another surgery next year on mm-hmm. my other ankle. So I've had a full ankle reconstruction and a syndesmosis reconstruction. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah, you got a two-for-one deal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Buy the left, get the right done free. Yeah. 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 So that kind of resulted from some poor management before I started studying myo, actually, on my behalf and on other people's behalf as well. And I just, it really annoyed me that there was a lack of taking things seriously and the lack of like, oh, it's just an inconsequential injury. There's There's nothing to it kind of thing. And really there's so much more. And I feel like a few... Like an ACL, for example, there's so much research and people are so invested in it. But then ankle sprains had such a big impact on other people's lives. So that kind of thing led me into wanting to do myo because myo was actually the only person that helped me. And that's why I started studying. So where I actually work at AIM Sports Recovery, Jamie is the owner there. He's actually one of the people that helped me a lot. And he's one of the reasons that I started studying, to be honest, that we have such a big evidence-informed practice and take things seriously and listen to the people in front of us so that's kind of where I started to go into my own I started to get interested in research and specifically lower limb injuries and then through the degree there's just a huge emphasis on making sure that you're evidence-based and that you're up to date and so there's like multiple subjects where you have to do like you have to find the research yourself and then you have to start learning to critically analyze it and so it's not just reading the abstract and pulling the abstract and then putting it into your argument. Like a lot of people do that at uni because you're time poor and you have to get it done, but in real life it doesn't work. (laughs) It says here they found this. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) And when you actually have a look into it and you look at like how many people were in it, how like vigorous was the research methods, what was the inclusion criteria, what was the exclusion criteria, like could you replicate it? What were the things that were missing? And so once you actually start to read through the methods and everything like that, it 
really highlighted to me like, ah, there is some research, but it's not always that great at Mm. all. And so that really started to drive. And then I did that critical literature review in my third year. And I really, like, I actually really loved, it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of mucking around and you want to pull your hair out. But I actually really loved the process of reading through and getting into what you really enjoy and reading through like all the different research and the methods and analyzing it. And I'm a really big nerd. So I really quite enjoyed that. (laughs) The word is curious. We're using the word curious these days. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) That kind of learned the uni really helped me like set up for being like a really analytical with the research. And then I've started to join. So as I was kind of about halfway through my degree, I started to join like Sports Medicine Australia and like a whole lot of other websites to try and get more relevant research so I could just keep reading it. Uh So I've just started to read it and read it and read it and become more confident reading it. I think that's the thing that a lot of people miss is that you have to read it to become confident reading it. You can't just read an abstract and go, oh, this is really hard. I don't know where to start. I remember the first essay I ever did, one of the lecturers commented on my actual essay and said, you really need to start reading more research because your language is atrocious. <laughs> some, that's some uh, constructive feedback there. Yeah. Oh, he didn't say atrocious, but he said a lot, <laughs> oh, I goodness. can't remember the exact word. <laughs> yeah. I think- like, things like that help you to kind of go, oh, yeah, I really need to read more and get used to it and a bit more comfortable with it. Uh, yep. And my best friend is a feline vet, actually, and she's doing a PhD at the moment. And so watching her go through the process of doing a PhD as I was kind of going through uni was really cool. And I understood what she was talking about when she was talking about all of her data and how she was translating it into a discussion and all that kind of bits and pieces. So I think there's a few kind of things that came together for pushing that research I still love it. So fun. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like I can hear that there's a real curiosity there and thirst to understand. And then I think it sounds like, you know, if anyone's listening going, oh, gosh, I'd like to read research, but I don't get it. Like we all start at this, that point of going, oh, my God, that's a really big paper. Where on earth do I begin reading? And, you know, you start at the introduction and you read that and then you read through your method and read through the discussion and then you keep doing that and it's only through that repetition that you begin to get an understanding of oh yeah that's the type of language that they're using oh look this this study had this many people this one had this many people and it's by building up that sort of almost that library in your head of going oh gosh the variance and the the range and the possibilities that are out there helps you to then become more critical it's very yeah. hard to be critical of a research paper if you've only read one research paper. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And yeah. You can see once you see how it helps inform your practice as well when you read something and you start to see a bit of a trend when you read a couple of different papers and then the methods start to become more vigorous and you start to say, Oh, well, this is like been shown in just this one paper, but now there's like three other papers and this trend is keeping on going. So maybe this is relevant. That's kind of what happened with that cross-bracing protocol with ACLs. Like they started to do it and then they started to go, oh, now let's put some um, structure around why we use this. And so I really like the way that you can kind of, if you read a lot, you start to notice that trend and then you start to go, oh, I can use this in my practice. This is actually quite relevant. It's not just a one-off. You're not just pulling at strings and saying, oh, this is going to have this effect when it's only been shown in one paper with five people in it or something like that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And then I think, yeah, that taking that the outcome of that research paper and applying it in practice, is it literally just as easy as that as going, right, they decided to apply a brace this way? I'm going to give that a go with the the next patient that I see in clinic. Is that literally how you've been sort of tackling it? I'm not exactly because I'm still a new, it might change when you get a little bit more into your career, but as a new grad, I'm really lucky that I've got a lot of PD and mentoring at both of my workplaces. So I will normally ask more questions and then see if they've done anything and try and find out more specifics around it. So I take the research, I ask a lot of questions and then come up I don't honestly don't see many knees or ACLs or anything like that. I normally see a bit more running specific injury, but I just find that with the people that I'm working with, I'm really lucky in that I can ask all of those questions and say, I read this. Does this, what does this mean? Or Christian will come and ask me a question. Like when in my interview, for example, at Complete, we were talking about graded pain syndrome and different treatment methods. And that was part of my interview question. And he said, oh, you missed something. And I was like, oh, what did I miss? <laughs> and we're talking about um, hormone therapy as a treatment method for different populations and stuff like that. So we kind of have all these discussions and then I always get something out of it that they'll then send me a paper or I'll go looking myself. Or I think for me, being a new grad, it's the discussion as well as the reading because then yeah. I have something to ask. If I didn't do the reading, I wouldn't have questions to ask or further things to learn if that makes sense. You know, for everyone else that's perhaps in a similar spot to yourself as a new grad, you know, in time that confidence builds to be able to go, I've read about this, I can see it in the research, it's really, really strong. I've had some discussions with other people who who feel that it also is a really strong approach or method or technique or assessment and that's when you can start to go, great, I'm going to give that a go with, with yeah. my yeah yeah fabulous I'm lucky enough that my partner's a runner as well and so he's like a really good test dummy for a lot of (laughs) love a willing willing test dummy that's good even the unwilling ones are great too (laughs) yeah so I've kind of I've got like lots of friends in the running community so often if they're injured they'll text me and I'll try and use different things that I've learned I'm like oh well I read this do you want to try this do you mind and they're like oh no that's fine (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. It's nice to have like lots of people that are just willing for you to have a bit of a go at stuff. Yeah, well, that's how you learn. Like, not just on your own body. Like, I think we all yeah. experiment on our own bodies as well, but yeah. it's when there's others as well <laughs> out there in the world. Fabulous. You definitely experiment <laughs> on yourself more than anyone, I think. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. It's been so amazing. Thank you, Sky. It's been so nice to kind of chat with you today and, you know, dig into your brain a little bit and essentially get a bit of an understanding about you and your journey as a myotherapist so far. So once again, I wanted to congratulate you on being a real leader in our profession, albeit at the start of your career. But I I can see that there are already amazing, wonderful things ahead for you in your future. So you are such a deserving award winner. So once again, congratulations. And thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was nice to chat a little bit. Definitely. Wonderful. Well, remember to hit the subscribe button and share our podcast if you enjoyed today. Follow us on, on social media for upcoming professional development and events coming to your area. Thanks for joining us today and stay tuned for our next podcast at Myo Matters.